Top of the morning. Welcome back to Misunderstood Podcast. Yeah. Mm, I feel like this might be the end of the year. Might be the close. Might be the final one. Um, I think it's been a good eight or so episodes. It's been a good start. I think we're finding our feet. We're finding our identity. We're finding our rhythm. But today I'm here to end the year off to speak about identity, culture, the way in which we look at each other. The black identity versus the African identity. And I'm here with Leto Gutle. How's it, brother? Oh, early morning, bro. But we're feeling good. Good to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Nah, most definitely, most definitely. I just, I think for everyone, and I want to give context to why we're having this conversation is... So, Leto, in matric, finished school and everything, we were having a conversation just around the African mindset versus the black mindset. And many of you are going to make the quick assumption about oh no Africans and blacks are the same individuals they come from the same place and they have the same identity and everything but when we unpack what does it mean to be black versus what does it mean to be African what are the principles that we use and engage with you find there's a lot of underlying issues with either identity and it really depends on who you are and I think for the majority of individuals we tend to lean towards the African identity because it's easier it makes us look better it's less radical it's comfortable it's palatable and there's individuals who shy away from the black identity because black is radical black isn't peaceful black isn't the things that we look at and say that's easy black tends to come at the cost of something at your own expense at somebody else's expense and it's existed for so many ways and i think people are going to mistake this as african being the culture, the thing that ties you to Africa. But it's really just the mindset that's been applied to all individuals around the world. Whether we look at the United States, whether we look at Europe, because similarly, when we speak about things such as black power and we speak about Black Panther Party and we speak about Malcolm X, we see how they've been misquoted, misused over the last few centuries because individuals love to use their message even like steve Biko, we love to use the message but we never use their practices we never understand what they were saying and we essentially just strawman them but yeah yeah like you know for me the one thing i've been grappling with is black identity is 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 not tied to a particular type of black person it's not like you know black identity is south african identity black identity is nigerian identity black uh, identity is you know afro-brazilian identity you know black identity is like a homogeneity in a sense it encompasses every black person every black thing everything we do so i guess in that sense it's almost forced to be radical because it's forced to incorporate everyone's needs um whereas you know, and, and maybe upon further inspection, it's maybe wrong to call it an African mindset because that's, again, grouping it all. Yeah. But I think a more, if we had to strip it down, a more tribal mindset of things. You know, mm. when you look at each individual South African culture, whether that's Zulu, that's Sutu, you know, they've got their own thing to them, they've got their own practices, they've got their own ways of believing. But I think for me, the major distinction has been that African culture, just to make it easier for for the audience to understand. African culture, you know, it's gone through a lot of 
sort of whitewashing over time. It's become stripped down of what it originally was. And many of us don't know what it originally was. Yeah. You know, but I think now it's come to the point where it's almost like, you know, this middle class conformism where mm. we're not going to be abrasive. We're going to keep a little bit of African or, you know, quote unquote African um, like tendencies, but we're going to conform to things like religion ways of dressing, ways of communication. Um, and you see that a lot in urban spaces, you see that a lot in workspaces. Whereas, you know, when we think of the word black, even just going back to apartheid, you know, black again encompassed every Everyone. black South African, including colors and whatnot. So um, in that sense, when we spoke of black resistance, when we spoke of black power, it was like, you can't section it off to like just the Zulus doing their own thing because then like, mm. that excludes everyone else. So I feel just because of the collectiveness of black identity in and of itself, it just became more revolutionary than let's say an African mindset. Now, I definitely get that. Um, and I think more specifically when we talk about it and we engage with it, there's, there's an interesting conversation that exists there because most people confuse being for a community versus I don't want to say dying for a community because people are going to think like it's actually like the actual like death of an individual but most people confuse the fact that like we can be a part of a community and I don't necessarily have to do anything for you and we just recognize the fact that we are of the same identity and we want the same thing and we are we, we want different needs because we're obviously we're in different places but the understanding is that we are one and I think when you speak about more tribal communities it's like we all must want the same thing so we can all work yeah, yeah. and if anyone breaks the mold or anything they instantly become an outsider they instantly become the person where we're like no he's not doing it he's trying to break the culture and everything and i was like that's an interesting conversation that exists because it becomes where do individuals now who aren't necessarily and i, I always say myself like i'm not necessarily tied to my culture like okay i'm not saying like yeah like okay it must be done away with like fuck zulu but i'm like at the same time i'm like yo if i'm in a different country in two generations three generations down the line my kids live in whatever first world country i've decided to select or if we're in a third world country it's like sure that identity is going to exist but it shouldn't be the thing that holds me back and i think that's the issue that exists with a lot of cultures and tribalism yeah and i think it's also because you know just as much as people who are not black define how black people should be. I think black people have done the same thing for ourselves, particularly Africans. Exactly. Um, and I also think we've conflated this idea that, you know, being for the community means sacrificing the individual at large, like you said. Mm. Um, and that's dangerous. I mean, I think the prime area that we want to get to is that the individual can exist as an individual but not at the expense of the community and the community can exist in communion but not at the expense of the individual you want to strike that balance but for us it's almost like you know if as an individual like you say you do anything to rock the boat you go out of whack then it's like yo okay you know come back or you're expelled from the community and it's almost i think it's a twist of that you know, they always say that, okay, Africans, we, we value community, we value all these things, we value sharing stuff. But it's like, yes, we do. But for me, just looking into the history books, that sense of community was always rooted in the fact that one found themselves and found their higher purpose 
and then mm. they shared that with the community they didn't just automatically well the community comes first and like just ah, i'll let myself be sort of thing so i think it's really important that we get back to that stage and it's not even a black thing i think it's happening all over the world where group identity is overwhelming individual identity but back on to the topic of you know how blackness is almost you know outcasted from the whole african chat i think it's also a thing of you know for me like you were saying when you go overseas i think culture has become more than just what you're born into and what you're tied to i think we're at mm. a point where we can choose who we want to be what we want to influence us and where ideas can come from you know it's no more a thing of i reside in maybe cape town and all of my influence is just coming from cape town i mean there's things like the internet where literally the world and the ideas of the world are at your disposal and i think that's what makes blackness different is that you know because it's tied to so many different things it draws from so many different kinds of ideas and you know you even get i mean i had an interesting conversation with a friend one day and um, you know when you look at someone like lewis hamilton mm. who's always chatting his activism i'm like isn't it kind of funny how he defines himself as black but he comes to sa <laughs> He's like, no, guy, you're not black. You're probably going to be classified as colored, you know. So you even get that where, you know, an ident- a black identity in one space may not be a black identity, identity in, in another. another space. But, you know, it's all termed under black. So it's almost like its own ecosystem, um, which for me, I find really interesting. But, you know, I also think with African identity and I think us being in private schools, it we get into a unique space where mm. even if you were to adopt your quote unquote african identity you're almost meant to lose it as soon as you step into the door of a private school but then at the same time you know there's always that thing like the the old sweatshirt line you know too black for the white kids and too white for the black you almost get yeah. stuck in that unique space you know and i think a lot of us then it more becomes a I'm a black guy rather than like I'm a Zulu or I'm a this because mm. that's almost stripped down as soon as you enter those walls. Um and for me that means, you know, there was a point in time where I was so addicted to, you know, reading I read the autobiography of Malcolm X, I was reading Ish. a lot of James Baldwin, you know, and that's a very 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 different setup in terms of what they think about black identity too mm. if like you said you know Steve Biko Nelson Mandela all these guys those two guys are or those two sets of people are so different in first of all the the type of racism they experienced yes Facts. it was racism in general but the type of racism was different the context of their racism was different um and also their lives were different i mean James Baldwin i don't think spoke any african languages right so then there's a case to be made there's like then yes he's of african origin but how much of his africanism still plays a role in who he is apart from his skin color yeah nah i, I definitely hear that and i think yo that conversation becomes a technical one i won't lie because i think like you said i'll usually lose having some idea it's like but who defines your own identity and what space defines your own identity and i think it also exists to the point where like 
a lot of people also just throw black around everything to make life easier. Like, it's, if, if you don't understand it, put it with black. And it's like, that's what people do. Um, but even then, it's, it's that I think, it's that thing of like, if you're removed from your identity, are you still black? And does the, does the culture and principles still apply to you? Um, because, I don't know, I think I've seen this more in private school than anything else, is that you can very distinctly see the difference between, and I, I don't want to say like black students and African students, but you can, you can see a distinction between students who have been at it, going at it, and are trying to do this thing, and students who are just like, yo, the only thing I need to do is get my marks here, and that's it. And there's also a thing of how far they're willing to lead, how far they're willing to essentially just take a chance with leadership, with the executive. Um, because I remember all the times that we've looked at like student protests, even Fismas 4 was a bunch of private school kids. And that's like full proof, and Model C kids, it's full proof of every time there's an issue, it's not taken up by the individuals who, I don't wanna say are like trapped by the African mindset, but technically are. It's the fact that they know that or they, I don't know, and this might be unfair to say, is they kind of know that what they have to do is get the best marks and get out of there. And it's like, have you fulfilled anything if you're getting the best marks, but you haven't found your identity? You don't know who you are. And some people might say, no, but you get to find yourself in other spaces. But I say, we've watched for years and years on end, people who step into workspaces, who step into workforces, who simply don't know who they are, don't know what they align with what they don't align with where they're morally aligned and that leaves a huge identity gap now on the other hand you get students who are more black focused who are saying let's take this thing on and let's sort it out for everyone and you come to an issue or you recognize really quickly that there's not many students who want to be black yeah and i think you know that's when you get into the intersection of of race and class and mm. for black people in south africa for black people everywhere really that that makes a thing that makes things a lot more complicated because then you're dealing with well you know already class as it is um devoid of racial boundaries is already a complex topic and already brings about you know complex social and cultural interactions yeah. because you know your experience um being a privileged kid versus your experience maybe living in a township is going to be vastly different despite the fact that your race is the same yeah you know so i think in for me, especially after finishing high school, high school is almost, it gives the illusion that it's the great equalizer because what happens when you go there? You guys attend the same classrooms, you wear the same uniform for the most part. Um, you know, it's not as easy to see things like, you know, class and whatnot yeah. because it's like, you know, the environment makes it such that it's hard to recognize individual differences and that's what school is you know so then what makes you recognize the differences between people is the culture and uh, you know the values they have as a result of the culture they grew up in and that's when you know classism becomes more evident and particularly with with black identity in private schools you know i think class plays a huge role because you know comparing to to um some of our other counterparts you know black people have never always been economically um you know at an advantage we've yeah. never had access to these things all the time we've never you know the fact that we're recording this podcast close to rosebank you know yeah we would have never been able to do this like 40 years ago Facts. you know so the fact that 
we've never always been in this position when you suddenly find yourself and for us it's something we grew up into so it's it's mm. easier for us but you know for our parents and whatnot when you suddenly find yourself in a position of wealth right um you inherently are going to interact in spaces that are not what you grew up in and that don't share your same cultural values for so sure. then the question becomes then how do i integrate mm. right because the same thing happens as soon as you step out of your space into another space if you don't conform to that space you'll be outcast right yeah but at the same time people grow up as they are and they don't want to let go of a lot of the things that they feel made them who they are so you get this weird hodgepodge of mm. like i said it's a middle class it's definitely middle class in how it views life and how it approaches things but it still has those certain aspects of black identity for example i know there was a time when a lot of black kids you know despite the fact that you your parents now that they're well off they really not going to interact that much with things like religion and what not there was still a time especially early on where you're going to church every single yo, sunday yo 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 that used to be an experience you know and you know that sunday morning <laughs> they wake you up and you know you slept at four in the morning and they say we're going to church it existed it was there exactly they never believe it but you know what happens when you know the the times I start stop going to church I remember I took a Sunday drive with my dad and white people were not going to church they were sitting at Tasha's day and doing <laughs> Sunday but black people are going to church still mm. you know so that's one of those incidences of despite the fact that a lot of us are not inclined to Christianity at all you know you it's still something it. that's kept from just a thing that a lot of black people do despite mm. the fact that they're in a different space but they become more and more detached from that so they sit in a weird place you know i remember i was having a conversation with my mother and you know i noticed that um she's christian when we go to the rural areas and visit family and everything but then when we're back in the city it's like we don't do that <laughs> you know and for her it was like well that's just the space you find yourself in black mm. people are very uh, religious um so you have to conform to that but at the same time you get here a lot of people are not religious they don't like they atheists or they just religious by circumstance you know yeah um and so going back to class the same thing happens there where you're not directly one thing you're not directly the other thing so you're in a private school even if you grew up in a poor background it's like the fact that you're in a private school whether you're there on scholarship or not it's like you're in a privileged position that yeah. a lot of other black people don't find themselves in but at the same time you're not one of those kids whose parents drive a Porsche Cayenne or Land Rover Discovery mm. to school every day. So you're like in limbo almost. Yeah. And I feel like that represents what black identity is currently. It's especially for South Africans and especially for people like us. It's it's in a it's a in between state. It doesn't know what it is yet. And when people find themselves in the workspace, I feel like that's what they're battling with. It's like yes, I I Like imagine working at an app store. Obviously things have changed over a lot of years. Yeah. And this is just an example for the sake of an example, but you know, imagine working there, you know, you're the first generation of people to have gone to university and earned a degree. Mm. You working a fairly above average job, you know, that requires a degree and what not. Um there's not going to be a lot of people in your position, especially if it was like 15 years ago when Yeah, you know, a lot of people new. got started. Yeah. You know, so It's like the work culture is not a culture you're familiar to. It's not a culture that you grew up in. Mm. Um 
but at the same time you're not in you know wherever you grew up you're not back at university chilling with people who grew up in the same area as you you know my father used to tell me um when he was still doing his articles and whatnot his friends most of them were from vitbank yeah and they would chill with each other throughout you know and i think that's another thing that comes into play and, and going to when you're starting to talk about activism you know what's the first thing that happens in grade eight we see everyone we're all new we're like okay cool black people go chill with black people white people yeah. go chill with white people um indians go chill with indians and, and you know so forth and even amongst the black people there comes a point in time where it's like the differences between us become more pronounced mm. those who maybe have always grown up in privilege and wealth you see it come out early yeah yeah exactly but also something that you notice particularly in private schools is that a lot of people's parents have pushed down the mindset of you're not here just because you're here just because you know um this is owed to you you're here because we had to work hard to get you here mm. and you know because of that you have to work your ass off you can't just sit around and do nothing yeah so don't go and jeopardize whatever by <laughs> getting involved in this and that is like you're here for books and books only mm. um you know and that's a survival mindset yeah it is no it definitely is and i, I think it's especially like the case when individuals i always say when individuals are caught in between the two like overt racism but it's like ish there's academics and then they're like ah it's fine i'm not going to say anything but then i'm like that says a lot because i was like then i guess for me the only question i always ask myself is like if you don't do nothing now what do you expect your child to do in 50 years i don't know if okay 50 years is a bit mad in 20 years when you when he's in the exact same position and i think it's a limiting mindset because it keeps you stuck it doesn't progress it doesn't innovate it doesn't tell you that what's happening around you needs to be fixed and it kind of just yeah, it stays in limbo, like you said. But I think even in some instances, it actually like makes shit worse. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, this is one of my criticisms of sort of the new South Africa is the fact that in most spaces, um, whether that's government, whether that's business, whether I guess in the humanities, it might be a bit different. But, you know, in previously white dominated spaces, Despite the fact that there's a lot of black people there, there hasn't developed a sense of, you know, there's no black corporate culture. There's no, mm. um, you know, as a black government, this is what we're distinctly different at than the white government that was formerly in place. Apart from the fact that we have a different skin color and different yeah. people, and we speak different languages. You know, we almost go into spaces, we keep things as we are, sprinkle a bit of black culture on there and call it a day. You nah, know, definitely. Um, and you know that creates a thing where you're never home wherever you go you mm. know you you never know like you know is this my space is it not because it's trying to not take away the things that the white space created but it's trying to make blackness more acceptable there but in a way where it's like you can't be abrasive you can't be confrontational because mm. then you're going to break the things that built this thing up um I remember one time I was speaking with this one parent and you know because both of us were involved in like student activism and whatnot they'll literally be like you need to stop what you're doing because um, you know if you carry on you're gonna ruin the things that made the school good and I'm like, what, what made this good? <laughs> like, you know one of those things please let's, let's spell it out let's say it, let's discuss it because you know 
if we had to dig into what they're actually saying, it's more a thing of like, please don't break the things that made the school white and great. Mm. You know? And it's it's don't I always say it's don't break the mindset. And I think if you was actually having this conversation with someone was don't break the mindset so black students feel they can be comfortable to start fighting the system. It's make sure they are ready to I think essentially produce workers and I think that's what St. John's is good at or has been good at for so long is that you know there's always going to be a bunch of and it, yeah there's going to be a bunch of black individuals who essentially are just going to be there who are going to be there to get an education going to go to university they're going to look for a job and just so happens to find out that one of his friends owns a company which is his dad's firm and boom you're an employee but you're never going to be the ceo of that company like nowhere in their mind do you ever become a shareholder of the board because the school in essence understands that it's essentially just preparing you to just be in jail and it's just preparing you to be an employee and i think those issues exist because then what it says to people is that they think we're oblivious to what they're trying to do and how they're trying to implement it and what's going on when in reality when parents start having to go you're okay they're ruining the school it really just means that okay my son's not going to be as privileged as he used to be he's going to actually have to engage with hard conversations which may have not have been the ones that we had within our household and i think same goes to like it really enough goes to like queer rights within most institutions the reason individuals don't like the conversation because if the conversation happens at school the conversation might happen in my home and then we have to unpack principles and ideologies that have existed for years and years where people are like yeah but that's problematic because i always find it ironic when parents are like but no we shouldn't be doing anything with gay rights so on and so forth and i'm like why what's the issue (laughs) tell us unpack and they're like no you know i just feel like my child shouldn't be you know shouldn't witness such things shouldn't have those experiences and everything and it's like what are you so scared of when in reality it's just look to be honest i don't want my son to think it's okay to yeah. be that type of individual and similarly goes with the, the identity of white students white parents get upset when white students feel like they get comfortable and want to become black because i also think that's what exists sometimes in private schools there's always like three or four white individuals who are like we're gonna try we're gonna try try and do this thing and i think that becomes more and more problematic for older generations because they still have this white and black split um whereas like for us it's kind of just like oh i see you you see me we boys and that's that yeah and i think for me you know i i look at my friendship now and you know if i compare it to where i started at school you know when i started at school obviously you know the first thing like i said you jump to all the black chance but now mm. it's like it's so mixed it's so diverse not even because it's like you know you nitpicking and you're like my friendship needs to have affirmative action or something <laughs> you know it's, it's not even like that it's just like you recognize there's an individual beyond the stereotypes beyond everything that you were made to see initially mm. you know and i think that's the goal but you know i also recognize that I mean, even look at um, the property market. Um, I'm sure you've heard the phenomenon of white flight. You know, mm. I think in a lot of spaces, not just property, that phenomenon still holds true. You know, and I don't think, for the most part, it's a conscious effort. Especially, I think our generation is is more different in a sense where you know we're growing out of that split of like, okay, these guys are 
are white, these guys are black, let's mm. just chill with each other. I think we've we've grown out of that and we're we're there's still our issues of course, but yeah. it's it's getting better. But when I look at older generations, um just look at Johannesburg for an example, right? Um it used to be what Santin is to us today. You know, but yeah. as soon as a lot more black people started rolling in, companies started moving out, started degenerating, whatnot, you know, it became bad. And I also think, you know, and just so that it's not completely biased, I look at, you know, just as black people, how we treat a lot of the things we take over, a lot of the spaces we get into. Mm. Look at the government, for example. You know, I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination the government before this one was <laughs> better. So, um, yeah, please don't confuse that. But, you know, look at what happened when we got in. It was, again, a survival mindset. It's like, I'm here for me. Um, and therefore, it's like, you know, it's, it's almost like they want to take, take, take so much to the extent that nothing works anymore. You get guys that own businesses. And look at how black people with new money approach it right yeah. the only p- people you'll find wearing a gucci tracksuit from top to bottom with a gucci hat gucci glasses gucci shoes gucci socks even if you can't see the socks to be black, black people yeah because again it's that thing of you know and it's again that intersection of, of race and class it's like i haven't always been in this position but i need to show that yeah i'm here and mm. it's not to show white people it's to show other black people because there's an understanding that not everyone is like that and I'm different. And that goes to elitism. Yes, yeah. black elitism, but elitism in general. And I think that's one of the biggest problems, especially in the spaces we find ourselves. Because black elitism is almost like, I'm one of those few blacks that are here. I don't want the rest to be here with me because then I'm yeah. not as special. You know? And it's ironic because, you know, in the beginning we were speaking about this whole thing of there's this understanding that the many must share in a mm. culture but then as soon as one becomes very wealthy it's like the many disappears and it's just me and yeah. i need to be here for me you know um so yeah it's 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 confusing and you know when you look at just the nature of the black person in south africa there's there's so much nuance to it and there's so much problems that we still need to dig through um mm. You know, and I, I don't think that can be overcome without first looking within and saying to ourselves, like, really, what happened? You know, mm. where did it all go wrong? Let's dig into the history. But also looking into the deep psychological problems that still plague the country today. You know, um, at least for me, one of my big beliefs in terms of, you know, why we see so much gender-based violence and whatnot amongst the black community is look at the lack of um, male figures in there. You know, mm. a lot of people grow up without fathers. And it's not just the fact that people grow up without fathers, that's the issue. It's like, you grow up without a father, you're raised by a single mother, you know, that's tough on the mother as much as it's tough on you. Yeah. You know, probably more so on her. And it's a thing of, you know, the mother may exhibit a bit of animosity on the fact that okay this guy just left me with this kid he got me impregnated all this happened Mm. also you know the other male role models maybe um you know also subconsciously angry at the woman for the fact that like why is my father not here and you take it out on the woman and whatnot 
um yeah you know and that leads to this whole thing of like you know men just in south africa particularly black men you know how we treat our women so i think obviously that's an oversimplification of the problem but i think just what it speaks to is the fact that there's a lot of deep psychological causes for the way we act many people are not aware of it i mean mm. i look at another thing like you know alcoholism in in black communities and in colored communities yeah. you know there was a point in time where they used to pay um workers black workers colored workers in alcohol oh yeah wine farms they used to there was i don't know what it's called it's actually there's actually naming for the system but because they knew Bro, that was like literally the understanding that because you guys love alcohol so much, we know you're going to stay even if we mistreat you because at the end of the day, you get alcohol. But I think that goes a lot to the fact about how, I don't know, I also think the idea behind sharing, being a part of it, being one, exists with the issue of we overlook our pain. We, yeah. over, we, we don't view what's actually happening for what it is. We kind of just say, oh, okay, guys, we're here. And I think it exists to the same extent of how, like, then churches have been able to exist for so long. Churches and black communities, which still doesn't make sense to me. And, like, this isn't a hit on religion but or on Christianity, but it's about the application of black church is, okay, all of you are telling me you get, you're being paid minimum wage. You all come to church to sing the same songs, to speak about the same struggle and then they tell you to donate money but you haven't eaten and then i'm on some wait 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 where in your mind does the logic state that god's gonna get your money it's, it's just going to king bank account and i'm like that's the issue we overlook our pain and then we oversimplify it and we try and put it into something and that exists similarly with gender-based violence it exists it harms the community and it hurts because people don't escape the they don't escape the mindset they don't escape the mentality because you're always trapped by it you never you're never going to escape it no one can tell you different but then at the same time you don't want anyone to tell you that it's wrong or for anyone to question it because i remember my family and back to that thing on like religion was my family was hot, like extremely religious I told them, y'all can do this God thing, not for me, I have no issue. But moreover, I said, when they asked me like, why not, why don't you do it? I said, do you really want to have those conversations with me? I will show you why Christianity is not the one. Nah, let's have those conversations. Come, scripture and scripture. Yeah, bring it out. Nah, that's, that's wrong. And I'm like, but how, why? Explain. And you start to see when you start to like attack people's I, th- I think pillar of, pillars of hope and the ways in which they function and the ways in which they've survived for so long, they start to recognize there's a problem within their own identity, so they end up just attacking you. Exactly. And, you know, I, li- I like that idea that you said, you know, about pillars of hope because that's what a lot of these things are to black people mm. nowadays. That's what, um, that's what church is to them. For the younger generations, it's alcohol. Even yeah. for the older generations, it's still alcohol. You know, there's so many problems that, you know, these various sources of vices become our... I mean, church is not a vice inherently, but mm. it can become one if it's being used as a, a avoidance mechanism. Um, you know, and... Yeah, man, it's, it's a sad sight to see because 
that's what keeps us down and and that's i think why you don't see people rise up and you don't see people saying and you know i don't mean rise up in the sense that like we're gonna take pitchforks to the street and <laughs> like we're gonna we're gonna burn stuff down that's that's not yeah. the type of rising up i think is necessary anymore mm. i think it's more a, a psychological one you know and almost if you will a bureaucratic mm. one where you simply say you know you're at peace with yourself but you approach the situation in such a way where like yes we are calm we're collected and not in the sense of we can't be angry we can be angry but you know we want to make things better for ourselves we want things to change genuine mm-hmm. and you don't see that in our actions look at the way people vote over the you. last you 20 something years look at the way we voted you know i often speak with my father and i say the the crisis in south africa is self inflicted no fully because it wasn't other countries that said yeah vote for these guys and vote to them mm. vote them time and time and time again you know and i think it's again it's grasping onto that hope that things will change and for me it almost all started look at the nature of how we moved into democracy you know it was on this thing of we must reconcile we must apologize to one another it was like you can hurt me you can take from me you can shoot me down you can do all of that i forgive you keep everything yeah you know um you know and i'm not saying that it's now a thing of we want everything back but it's a thing of you know the nature of our move to democracy was such that it's like forget your pain in order to move on and mm. everyone else can move on with what they've done you know without having to properly reconcile for that yeah. and i think that's sort of gone into the collective mindset as that's just the way things are done you know to the point where people are okay with a lot of bad things because mm. if it means going deep down to the stuff that's happened to them then that's just too much to bear you know if saying okay this is what the government's doing to us we need to go back to you know way back when when this whole thing first started and we need to ask ourselves why did owens move to democracy in this manner you know why did they just neglect all the suffering that we had gone through yeah you know and that's difficult because that's traumatic in the same way when you're living in poverty you know asking yourself the question of generationally how did we get here it may have started with group areas act it may have started with being stripped of something it may have started with not being able to own anything for yourself but that's a harder reality to confront than simply you know praying to a god and saying i hope you know my situation can change or voting every 4 or 5 years and saying i hope my situation can change with these guys i think people fundamentally know that the truth is that if they continue in the way they do nothing will change but it's almost the thing of the devil i know is better than the devil i don't and yeah. so we're willing to to continue with the suffering but You know, I think now especially we're in an interesting point in South Africa where it's like we can't keep on doing that mm. because that means that our problems are going to become more and more blatant, you know, crime is getting worse, gender-based violence is not getting any better, poverty is increasing, unemployment is yeah. increasing. You know, um we saw the the tipping point of all of those issues in the July June riots. Yeah. You know, so I think if we were to go back to to the original premise of the show which we sort of like <laughs> <laughs> but 
but if we were to go back to it, I think black identity is, is a few things for me. Black identity is, it's confused mm. because it's not tied to a particular thing about being black anymore. Yeah. Black identity is in limbo because it exists in different spaces now. So it has to adapt in ways where it becomes incomplete in some sense. Mm. Um, black identity is separated from Africanism. It's not tribal anymore. It's not, yeah. I'm tied to this tribe. It's even no more like I speak this language of my tribe anymore. You know, more and more people mm. don't speak that language. And for some people, that's a good thing. For some people, or for a lot of people, actually, that's a bad thing. For me, it's, it's a thing that happens. Yeah, just a thing. You know, um, and blackness for me is also even if you look at the psychology of the color black black is the unknown black is the ominous black is the dark mm. um but you know in the darkness is where light can come you know so blackness yeah. is not just bad it's not just this it's not blackness is like the darkness is unknown it's it's everything but nothing at the same time mm. you know and because of that it can be rebellious, but it also can act in survival mode. It can be, you know, forthright and understanding. It can be, let's share, but it can also be individualistic, you know. Um, and being an African, in a sense, it's still a thing, but I think it, it even, instead of the two being polar opposites, I think being an African is now underneath being a black not in the sense that it's below us yeah but in a sense that blackness is more than just being an african, african now um and that's the point at which we find ourselves and because of that i think we're, we're we have two choices in a sense the choice is to conform with the ideas of blackness which we know and which we've been succumbed to by society and mm. maybe by our parents and whatnot or we can choose to let this new dynamic of what being black is define the openness with which we want to see the world. Now it's no more like I have yeah. to go into the world as an African man. I have to speak in this language only. I have to do this. I have to carry myself in this way because black identity is, is it's everything and nothing. It's like I can choose who I want to be in whatever space and I can still be black, you know? Um, and for me, that's, that's reaching that prime optimal state. Because for me, the, the, the sort of utopia of being black is getting to decide how much of my blackness I want to incorporate in a particular space. You know, um, mm. it's if I walk into a room, uh, you know, no one's telling me he needs to be like this or he needs to, or their mind is creating an image of me that's a certain way. Yeah. It's like, if I want to be that certain way, I can be because that's still black. But if I don't want to, I don't have to be because that's still black. And I think an interesting example of this is look at our music. You know, mm. you get black music or African music in a sense, you'll get things like Maskandi, you know, Yo. where that's as, that's as traditional as it can get for a yeah. lot of us. But then you go over to the States. Yeah, there's rap and stuff. But if you look at someone like a Donald Glover, for mm. them, blackness is not, it's not tied to just, okay, we're going to be rapping or just doing this. It's like he makes some weird 
out of the box stuff you know and that's because again blackness is not tied to a particular thing anymore so he can choose what blackness is for me and no one's gonna tell me donald glover isn't black facts you know and then you go to places like brazil you know you look at the music there it has a portuguese influence it also has an african influence but Mm. there's a lot going on so for me the music is endemic of what the new blackness is anymore i don't think you know um and to tie it all together i don't think i'm at the stage in my life anymore where it's like you know going back to my friend group it's no more like i'm just gonna chill with black people and this is what black identity is and i'm gonna stick to that Mm. it's black identity is yes it's it's speaking an african language in some sense especially in a south african context Yes, it's maybe speaking with a certain dialect in certain contexts. Yes, it's maybe listening to a specific type of music. Um, but it can also not be any of those things, you know, and I can still yeah. be black. And I think that's the key is like, if we acknowledge that people can act how they act, can be who they are in a way that shares things of what we think about what black people are and what we don't think what black people are. Blackness has evolved to an extent where they're still black either way. And that way we can still achieve an individual sense of this is who I am, you know, and this is how I feed into the community. Because without it then, if we just stick to this person's African, this person's whatever, this person's this, this person's that, then it limits who we can be. And and being global citizens now, you know, um, if I go into another country, it's not that you're gonna forget who you are and what you Mm. want to be but it's that you're at liberty to have the choice in terms of how much of that you're gonna incorporate into your space exactly nah i mean that's powerful i think i'm gonna cut it there because i mean what can i say you tied it up there at the end (laughs) um but yo and i think yo it's a, t- it's a difficult one. And I think identity is a difficult. And to most people who've listened to like all my stuff, you know, I hate labels. I hate the... Yeah. Bro, we just hate the 56 and everything, bro. There's like so many things happening in this world. And I think in some instances we get lost in our labels and in other instances we don't unpack them enough. And I think this is one of those instances where we are finding ourselves... Yeah, at a point where we're just trying to figure things out. We're trying to figure out who we are, what our identity is, how do we move forward. And I think to everyone, whether you're white, whether you're black, whether you're purple, you're blue, just remember that it's okay to lose a part of yourself to grow a part of yourself. And that's all that you need to do going forward. And growth is hard, man. Change is hard, man. Change is slow but sometimes you've got to be willing to enjoy those things at the expense of your own success because in the end you'll realize living a rich and wealthy lifestyle doesn't necessarily make you successful doesn't make you necessarily make you feel fulfilled it's about standing up for what you know is right having conversations hard conversations with the people that you love the people that you don't love listening to people who don't agree with you and I think that's a big one here because yeah. there's going to be a lot of black individuals who are going to disagree here who are going to be on some ah these two niggas speaking <laughs> on some we shouldn't be African how could their privileged position so on and so forth but listen just 
listen to what people have to say because there's a lot to be said and there's a lot to be unpacked. Would you want to yeah. say anything else in closing? Yeah, and I think, you know, for me, identity, like you said, it's, it's a complex thing. And, you know, even black identity is not all of it. Mm. It's not even scratching the surface. Who we are, that's a question that's, that's eternal. That's a sure. life thing, you know. But I think for me, whatever that has been said on here, you know, it's... I don't think we'll ever get to the place where this is what blackness is in its entirety. Yeah. And I think that's what we... For sure. We didn't try and do that today, but we tried to unpack at least what we think of it. And, mm. you know, again, whether one is white, black, that's a skin color. Yes, that skin color might come with experiences, but you're human at the end of the day. Facts. But at the same time, like you're saying, I don't think conversations about race, conversations, and not in the, the sense that it happens today, like you're immediately wrong or bad mm. because you're white or you're immediately this or that because you're black. No, just this is my experience. This is your experience, probably because of our race. Sure. Yeah. And yes, my race group might have these things that are tied to it that I may have not done, but it's just part and parcel of maybe what people like me have done. It's okay to have that conversation. I don't mm. think we were blaming anyone for anything. For me, again, nothing is good or bad. It's just a thing that happens. Facts. You know, and race and everything that has become of race is a thing that's happened, and it's a thing we must deal with. Um, so going forward, you know, sit people down, just have that conversation, whether it's about race or anything. Just mm. find each other, find oneself. Um, you know, find yourself most most importantly until you you go out and try and look for community somewhere because you take yourself wherever you go. Um, you know, and with that, the conversation always continues. Um, mm. You know, we might come back two months down the line and be like, okay, we've had a shift. Maybe this is what it yeah. is. You know, but fundamentally, um, we're black at the end of the day. Facts. And that remains true whether I disagree with you or you disagree with me. Mm. Our skin color is still the same, <laughs> you know. But yeah, it's been a lovely conversation. I hope people have enjoyed it. I hope they learn from it. I hope it continues other conversations in mm. other spaces more than anything. And people grapple with what is black identity, what is African identity for them. We may have not scratched the surface enough, but I think we may have triggered something that's like, Let's have a conversation about that because mm. maybe they're not the same thing anymore and maybe that's necessary for the future of us as a people and yeah. the future of south africa nah definitely i mean like i always say yo if you listen to this show you know my organization skills are bullpied um <laughs> but i think this might be the last one for the end of the year so if it is really just wishing everyone a merry christmas if you celebrate it and wishing everyone a happy new year um, no one really cares about your New Year's resolutions because you're not going to stick to them. Um, but genuinely, when we say this, is that, like I said, the space has been a space of conversation. It's been a space of thinking. It's been a space of questioning. And I hope to continue that going into 2023. And just to everyone who's listened, thank you. So much love. Peace, love, and positivity. That's all I ask. May you have a restful end of year, a restful holiday. And that's me. Bless.